Welcome back to Spark Talk Fridays. I'm Gina. And I'm Evo. Happy Friday, Evo. Happy Friday, Gina. So today we're going to be talking about if you're living a life of what ifs. Feeling stuck in life, feeling stuck in love, and feeling stuck in your career. We're going to be talking a little bit about finding ways for you to get out of that stuck feeling and find some possibilities. Maybe share some experiences, uh, recognize possibly discuss some ways that you can know if you're in a rut i i just want to start off by saying what sparked this for me was a it's always like me listening or reading something where i get this is why the show is now called spark talk fridays i get this spark from something that i've read or something that um i'm listening to because i listen to a lot of other podcasts i consume um reading material on all different facets whether it's social whether it's a book whether it's an article so I was listening to something and I forget the name of the person that the podcast is called Diary of a CEO with Stephen Barlett. I forget the name of the person that he was interviewing. It doesn't come to me right now, but they were talking about uh, this person's life. And, you know, this person then said, you know, there was a moment in my life where I felt very stuck. And I know that many people can relate to that. And that stood with me for the rest of the day. And I wanted to talk about it because when the person that was being interviewed said that they felt stuck in their life and that many other people could relate to that, I instantly was was able to relate to that. So I said to myself, if I can easily that that quickly relate to it then i feel like so many other people could so feeling stuck in life can be a common experience for many people it's a state of feeling like you're not making progress and that you're in a rut or like in some sort of dead end it can be characterized by the sense of stagnation lack of motivation feeling and or the feeling of being trapped People may feel stuck in different aspects of their lives, like I said earlier, like their careers, relationships, personal growth, and overall life goals. Um, a lot of the times when people are going through these type of stuck f- experiences, it can be due to a lack of clarity of what they want in their life. Fear of making changes, taking risks, and then like, Also coupled with feeling overwhelmed, feeling burnt out, and feeling like you're not making enough progress towards your goals. And in a nutshell, when I say those things, I, at many times in my life, have felt that way. And if I think back, my most recent experience when I felt stuck was in my last job. um, That I was with a company for seven years and... I had really built what people would consider a successful career, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, worked my way up the ladder and I got to a position where I was doing very well financially. And we really built our life as a family based off of the financial sustainability that I had created from yeah, this job. For sure. But then also found myself being really unhappy of where I was. So then I found myself in that like gray area of like, what do I do? These what if I started to make those questions to myself if, okay, if I leave this job, what's going to happen? Are we going to be able to live? Are, you know, 
what are our finances going to look like? A lot of these questions came about, and I know many other people go through these things when they're in a position in their life, in a job, in a relationship, when they're putting these questions in front of them and saying, if I move away from this, how how am I going to make it? So that was my experience, and I had to think about it in a way that I wanted to set the in a way that I wanted to say to our audience and I thought to myself like what do you do when everything seems impossible mm, that's a great question you know so i think the only thing that you can do is do what is possible that's a great start i mean that's one way to chip away at it right and that's what I had to do. I had to take a, you know, I had to take a hard look at our life and say, okay, so what is possible? What can I do if I was to leave this job? Because I think you do, you definitely do need a plan. I wasn't just like I jumped shift and I was like, okay, see you later. Which some people do. Yeah. Which is maybe not the worst idea, but maybe not the best idea. <laughs> to be on the Cat Williams like, yeah. fuck this job. Yeah. And then on top of that, not only was I concerned about how we were going to live financially. I was worried about being looked at as a failure. I was worried that people were going to look at me and say, wow, she walked away from this job, this career that she she built for what? To be a stay-at-home mom? I had so many of these questions yeah. going through um, through my head. So that's when I knew that... Um, so many other people would listen to this and go, yeah, me too, you know? Mm. So I wonder, is there a time in your life where you felt like you were stuck? Um, yeah, there was. Um, it's it's one that, like, I would say it's always stayed pretty fresh in my mind. It's kind of um, kept me humble when it came to relationships, and that was uh, this one relationship I had as a as as a young kid, I want yeah, I'm gonna say I was definitely a kid, where I was dating a girl who was older than me and she had way more experience in the relationship than I did. Mm. And so up until that point, I guess I really never had experienced anything like that. Mm -hmm. So she was able to get her way in the relationship like nothing I've ever experienced. And it was because of how much more experience she had in relationships than I did. And I found it to be challenging to kind of like, you know, um, say what I felt and kind of like get my, get my footing in the relationship. Yeah. Um, as far as like, you know, when we were going to hang out or when we spoke and the things that we did, you know, she was really always in control of that stuff. It, it kind of like revolved around her schedule. And no matter what I did, no matter what I said, I just couldn't get her to come around when I wanted to or, you know, or show up or answer the phone when I wanted to. Mm. And I felt so stuck in that situation because like I really liked her and I really wanted to be with her, but I was not comfortable with where I stood. Mm. And I know, sorry to interrupt, but I know that you said that this happened to you when you were really young, but I still feel like this sounds like a scenario that can happen to someone yeah, like at I, any, at any stage in their life. Right. You know, young, 
teenager, adult, yeah, yeah. right? Sure, yeah. Okay. And that's kind of like why I decided to share it. Because gotcha. even though it happened such a long time ago, I still feel like that this is something that many people can relate to, even, even in current relationships. Yeah. Now, the solution, I don't know if it's... It was... I don't know if it's something that people would be willing to do because it was easy for me to do because I was young. Mm-hmm. But what I ended up doing was having a talk with the most unexpected person, right? And people are going to be a little bit surprised when they hear this, but it was my father. Yeah. Right? And I say that people are going to surprise. He was the most unexpected person because we really didn't have like father-son conversations like that. You know, Mm -hmm. he was like, he was the most amazing provider that I could, that I ever knew amongst all my friends. They all wanted my dad to be their dad. On how he provided for me, I would you know, they would joke around with me all the time and joke around with him like if you know if he's willing to adopt somebody, <laughs> just because of the freedom that he gave us and what he provided for you know for us and you know we were very blessed in that area as far as being kids, but the relationship as far as I guess he never had one, I never had one with my dad either you know so there was never no like they would sit down hey son how you doing you know how's your mm-hmm. relationship how's mm-hmm. school how's this how's that that not that never happened, but I don't know what what got in him this day he just decided to ask me like you know. What's wrong with you? Because I was walking around the house mopey as fuck. I mean, you want to talk about a kid who was in a rut? Like, I'm stressed out. Like, I, I don't understand why is it that I can't get this girl to come around. Meanwhile, I had plenty of other girls in, in, in past relationships where it was like, you know, all I had to do was just breathe. And, you know, they were like, you know, oh, swarming wow. around me. You know, Just breathe? I mean, I'm exaggerating a bit. But it didn't <laughs> take, like, the, the amount of effort that I needed to put in to get this girl's attention you know, she liked me, but it, man, mm-hmm. she just came around and did things on her own terms. And it just, that was, I was just not used to that. Okay. So he told me to, um, he told me not to call her. He said, do me a favor. He said, if you're in pain and you're really like, you really feel like you want to like let out your emotions, do it to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, exp- you know, experience that. He goes, don't keep that inside. So find a, pl- find a place where you can let out your emotions, the frustration, and don't let nobody know. Do it to yourself. And then once you've let that out, just don't give any attention to that situation. Mm-hmm. And he said, watch how things will turn around. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it didn't make any sense to me. I thought if I don't call her, if I don't text her, if I don't try to like you know get her to come around, she's just going to go off and be, off, be with somebody else. Mm-hmm. But that ended up being the pivoting point in that relationship. I want to say three days it, it took. I didn't call her. I didn't try to go find her. I did zero attempts to try to even be with her. And three days later, she was at my front door. So why do you think that that advice worked? If you were to kind of like, if you were to make it more relatable to current times, like what about that advice actually worked in that for that situation? So that is what I would call um, practicing a healthy detachment. Mm. So I was, I, I, I had something involved in my life that was sabotaging me. And it was preventing me from living my best self at that moment. And I almost didn't know that it, it you know, it wasn't good for me. It yeah. was hurting me in so many ways. And I feel like that, that those situations, people getting themselves in situations like that can cause them to be in a rut. They're, you know, and um, putting their time into something that is really not suiting them. And then not really knowing how to detach from that. You know, and just kind of like going day in and day out with this thing that that's not suiting them. And so that was my situation. And I and and it was the emotion that I needed to detach from because she was my pacifier, right? When I felt that like, oh, I miss her, I want to be with her, 
the only thing that resolved that was her. Mm. But when my father directed me to another avenue to release that, then once that was out, I didn't really feel it for her no more. And it was a weird space to be in where I was like, I felt good. I didn't need her. And at the same time, I could actually think that, and, and you know, and I can do things without her obs- like obsessing over her or her, her clouding my decisions. Yeah. So I called that a, a healthy detachment. I think that that, um, I think that advice was more profound than maybe you thought it was at that time. Oh, absolutely. Because not only did he give you the advice to stay away from something that at that time was what I would consider unhealthy for you, right? Mm-hmm. He also gave you the advice to feel the emotions. Yeah you know, in your private space, like have that time with yourself to understand like what you're going through and feeling because feeling emotions are very important. And I think as a as a man, sometimes men are not told to go through those things. Yeah. They're told to kind of like bottle that up. Yeah, the best so, part about shout it. Shout out to dad. Yeah, definitely shout out to dad in that department, man. That was some great advice. The best part <laughs> about that whole experience is that when I went, and I processed my emotions, I really, in that moment, as raw and as foreign of a, of a territory that it was, I got to know myself a little bit better. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, all right, yeah, I, I profoundly knew myself, but I processing those emotions really made me understand how I felt and really made me understand what it takes to move past something that I might be emotionally struggling with. So, so I'm interested to know, like, once you got her to come back around, were you, did you then, how, how much longer did the relationship continue or did you, was there like a realization at that point no, that maybe so you weren't even interested? It, I definitely was interested and it, it, it actually <laughs> turned for the better because what ended up happening was she would come around more often. It was almost like she, it was almost like because she didn't have me wrapped around her finger per se, mm-hmm. she felt the need to be around me more because she was more concerned about, okay, he doesn't need me mm-hmm. as much as he thought he did. Is there something going on? Or I need to be in his presence more now so that I can continue to have his attention. When it just became more of a thing that when she was gone, I didn't, ser- I didn't search for her. I didn't call for her. I didn't, you know, she'd come around when she wanted to. And then so it was one of those things, I guess, that um, – I hate to say this, don't shoot me, please. But like, there's a saying that amongst guys that, you know, girls want what they can't have. And so I kind of made myself unavailable to her Mm -hmm. in the way that I was. So therefore, I felt like that she wanted to be with me more. I actually think that that statement holds true to both genders. Okay, You know, I mean, I just didn't want to like put something out there as far as like a gender type of yeah statement. no I, I think i think that there are girls that want what they can have and i think there's yeah. there are guys that can't yeah so that. it turned into like oh, you know you had something but you can't have that no more you had me like that you can't have me like yeah. that no more and so it just totally shifted our dynamic in our relationship yeah it's like putting a cookie jar in the kitchen and telling your kid not to yeah. touch any of the cookies in there <laughs> that shit is gonna happen yeah. so especially I, if they're fudge stripe cookies especially if they're fudge stripes <laughs> cookies man that's where i fold um so So, sorry that's okay um you know just kind of touching back on what you shared before Mm -hmm. um kind of i guess what i want to know is do you feel that you um had to deal with being a rut can you share like a situation where you had to be in, in a rut where you were in a rut in a relationship potentially ours or another relationship you know and how did you get through that 
That's really interesting that you asked me that. Why? Because that's initially what I was going to share as my experience. Oh, okay. But then I chose not to share it because it was a little intense. Then. But I'm, But since you asked me, I'll share it. Uh, yes, I was the father of my children. Okay. I would not categorize it as a rut. I felt trapped. I think that is the better word. So I was stuck. I was trapped. Um, and I was kind of like almost physically trapped in the sense. See, I think this know? this sounds a lot more relatable. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, think you should, I think you should kind of share more of this. And yeah. Share, you know. So um, the father of my of our of the two oldest boys and I, we were together from when we were really young. I think I was like 15 or 16. Super when I was, young. Yeah. yeah. And um, we obviously had two children together. But, pre- but previous to our second child, um, I moved to New Jersey. We're originally from New York. And that's when I really began to feel stuck because then I was in a position where now I was living with him and his family and uh the relationship was an abusive relationship on you know any given day so i had to find a way to break free Mm. and i'm gonna say what i said before you know what do you do when everything seems impossible because in that scenario it literally felt impossible i literally felt like there was no way of me getting out of this. So I, you know, after taking some time to think, which in a lot of the times I did it when I was at work, you know, because it was the only time that I was like really away from him. And I came up with like a master plan and I really made a plan of the things that were possible. And on the top of that list was my financial situation. So my financial situation was that I was working and I was making money. So you know, I started I started stashing my acorns and I made a plan to get out. And one day I um in a situation like that, you only have so many options and mm. I chose to leave with the clothes on my back. Mm. And I went to work one day and I just didn't come back. Wow. Yeah. So that day I went to work and then that night I slept at a friend's house. The next day I went to court and filed for like, um, you know, custody, like, um, like, you know, not full custody, but where like the children would live with me or the child at the time would live with me. And then the third day I changed my address to everything. And then on that same day I went to, I went to his house with the police to get my stuff. Wow. And my son. You see, I think that that story has a lot more value than the one that you shared before because i mean not to take anything away from that well damn just shit on my job no and again like i said not to take away from (laughs) that but i mean i just think that um the amount of people that could be in the situation that you just shared yeah is that that pool is probably a lot larger than the people feeling stuck in their jobs than people feeling stuck in their jobs in the one like that you were in you know you you really that was a career that you built for yourself and mm-hmm. you ended up being in a situation where um, you were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, very relatable. But relationships, I yeah. think, and, and relationships like that one, yeah. are, uh, I think are a lot more common. 
It's so it's so crazy to me that you asked me that because when I tell you I wrote out this whole thing about what I wanted to say and then I just deleted the whole thing. Yeah. I was like, no, nah, I don't think I want to talk yeah. about and that. And I'm sure <laughs> that there's a lot of people, a lot of girls in particular, who probably even right this minute, potentially listening to this, are unsure of what to do in the situation. Yeah, I um, hmm. I think that was a bold Yo, note. this is like the third <laughs> episode in a row where Evil's got like tears in my eyes <laughs> because uh, that was... I remember that day. Yeah. I remember putting my stuff in, in a black plastic bag and just thugging it out yeah. after that, you know. And I rented a room for my friend. And I, I don't want people to think that, like, I took my son away from his father. But his it was safer for him to be with me. I yeah. was the one working. Um and I was the one that was, you know, making sure that he was going to school and stuff mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. So, but, you know, I definitely wanted to work it out where he could see him and stuff like that. That's not to say that that all worked out perfectly, but that was, that was definitely like a stuck trap feeling. And um, mm. I know that that happens to a lot of people, especially like a lot of women. And I hope that me sharing that can give you a little bit of strength to know that, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. But sometimes the things that are possible are small and you have to work with what you got. And if it's just a little bit, then you have to go with that. Because if you want to, it, it may feel so overwhelming. You may look at it like, okay, I have to do all of these things. And then it may prevent you from doing anything. So if you just take, you know, if you lay one stone at a time, eventually you will get there and it may not be as fast as you want, but you will. I think that that's, that's great advice. So I have a question for you. Sure. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, we both shared our story. So do you think that it is possible for one gender to feel more stuck in life than the other? Mm. I, you know, I would say yes. Okay. And the only reason I say yes is because I feel like I've heard people speak about tough situations that they're in and their arguments are based on their gender. Okay. So So I don't want to ever take away from any of those people's experiences to say that there's no validity into what you're saying and how yeah. you feel. So then which gender you do you feel like is experiencing more of this feeling or this I experience mean, if if there if there was yeah. one because listen we're speaking hypothetically no i mean hey listen if, if you if you look at the world as a whole globally right mm -hmm. i would say you know women have it you know far off i would say women have it worse they are they are in situations that are that they are they put in situations where they end up being stuck and it's and it's a lot of it has to be you know has to do with by the hand of the opposite sex yeah um so and i'm sure there's a lot of different scenarios but as i sit here and think you know i mean it just you know okay. yeah women definitely got it harder than, I, than men i would totally agree with you on yeah. that because if i had to think about it i think Women can, like you said, be stuck in a domestic situation, and yeah. it can be culturally that yeah. they can be stuck. It could be religiously that they're stuck. Yeah. Um, there was actually a study published in the Journal of Career Assessment found that men tend to report feeling more stuck in their careers, whereas women tend to feel more stuck in their personal lives. 
Yeah. Other studies have suggested that gender norms and societal expectations may also influence how men and women perceive and cope with feeling stuck. Yeah, I I I think that even on a. So I think you're kind of like you know yeah. you were you got towards that. I was definitely towards that. I was more thinking on a on a on a simpler level that just because of the ability to, for a man to um, be able to. Uh, before, just the basic ability for a man to be able to assert himself um, stronger than a woman mm-hmm. that makes a woman or a female a woman more vulnerable to him. Mm-hmm. And that's just all, that's just off of physics and science, you know. Yeah. I mean that obviously grows into many different aspects of of life, yeah. like some of the stuff that you were saying. But I think it starts with the fact that you know that a woman a woman is typically vulnerable to a man. Yeah, I I. I mean, obviously, I share yeah, a story you, where you that was the exact situation. <laughs> yes, exactly, so, so, yes. Um, but now that we're talking about, you know, all these scenarios, you know, I shared my experience and you shared your experience. I would love for us to share some ways that maybe if you're feeling like this, that yeah. you can kind of like dig yourself out of this. Yeah, I got a couple. I got a couple ways that, you know, you one can. Because you already said you already said detachment, yeah, like a healthy one, yeah, detachment, yeah, which healthy I thought detachment. that that was yeah. that was stellar advice from Dad. <laughs> it definitely was. I, I've I've i I was able to use that in my life uh, for many many years to come. But another thing that you can do, which is one of my favorite things to do, and I mm. and I talk about this all the time. You've definitely heard me say this on other episodes if you listen to us, um, and that is self reflection. Hmm. self-reflection 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 this is something that i've just said over and over again it's what it's my it's one of my favorite things to recommend because it's helped me so many times in my life and being self-aware um i think is one of the best tools that you can use because it allows you to take a look at yourself and potentially see what you unconsciously may be doing to sabotage yourself or to contribute into the feeling of you being stuck. Um, hmm. So, I would love for you to give me an example of how you can unconsciously sabotage yourself. That's, that's listen. Of course, I'm gonna because I'm in, I'm intrigued by that verbiage. So, uh, a way that you can unconsciously unconsciously mm-hmm. did I say that correctly sabotage yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> is. If you have something that you want to start, mm-hmm. something that you aspire to do, every time you go to start it, you put a reason in front of it. Because unconsciously, you're afraid of the failure. Mm-hmm. Unconsciously, you are intimidated by the amount of work that goes behind it. So unknowingly, yes, inside you want to start it. Mm-hmm. But every time you go to say, okay, I'm going to go start this, Oh, you know, I'm stressed out today. I'm not going to do it. Oh, um, I got laundry to do. Or, oh, um, this person wants to hang out. Or, oh, you know, I got to do my kid's homework. Or, oh, there's always these things that you end up putting in front of it, making excuses as to why you didn't start the, in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then not realizing that it's internal. There's something going on inside. Mm-hmm. So being able to self-reflect and realize that you're doing that, to me, is the first step in being able not to do it okay so let me break this down because if you're putting these hurdles in front of 
your potential end goal, right? Mm -hmm. Or this thing that it is that you want to do. You're then not necessarily doing it unconscious. You you're conscious when you're putting that thing in front of it. But what you're what you're saying is is that the reason why you're putting that hurdle in front of yourself is what is unconscious to you. Yes. The reason is the like the embedded fear mm -hmm. or the embedded, you know, worries, the anxiety that are there that are not showing themselves yeah. right away is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure I'm yeah, following yeah. you. Because yeah. that's what's unconscious to you. Yeah. You're looking at it like, oh, I'm just, I have something else to do that's taking priority, but really why I'm putting this, pri what I'm putting this priority in quotations ahead of it. But deep down inside, I'm doing that because I'm afraid. Yeah. And okay. I myself am, am guilty of this because I have quite a few things that I, I procrastinated in starting because I, I allowed my past failures to predict my future success mm. and so these things these what well, I wanted to achieve were always hanging just a bit too far because I was stuck holding on to the past and so I would always find reasons you know why I why I couldn't start it right away or maybe maybe start it but then not get to carry it out because I'm secretly fearful and not realizing that I'm just I need to I need to deal with this this trauma that's that's obsessing you know I'm obsessing with yeah. it. Yeah. And um so for me that's self-reflection. That's how so, it, th that's how it's that's how it starts with me, that's how it ends with me, that's how I get past those situations every single time. And just not to say that you know I don't have to go through all the bullshit first. Like I'm telling you firsthand like I have to I have to check myself. I have to realize that fuck. Like, I've spent way too much time trying to get get to something with no success, and I have to say, what what something's going on here? Yeah. What, and then because I'll be I'll be unconsciously doing it. Like, I'd, so, what is one way that you actually self reflect? Like, how is it that you actually do that for yourself? So. Like what's happening? I'm basically having a either having a conversation with myself mm -hmm. or having a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. Just um, expressing it in some way or another, mm -hmm. so that it decompresses from being inside of me. Okay. And I I either I try to like verbalize it, make it make it something that um, because it, prior to me self reflecting, I don't know what it is, so. By putting words to it, now I've identified it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it ends up, we will end up having a conversation, mm -hmm. you know, and I may be speaking to you and we'll be talking back and forth and you may ask me questions and say, what do you, maybe it's this. And what is it about that that, you know, that's really bothering you? And, you know, together we'll like kind of like start peeling away the layers, you know, like an onion and then we'll get down to the root of the problem. And that's self-reflection for me. For other people, you know, who don't have that, seeking professional help you know, can be a great solution to that. It's it's just the, the therapeutic portion of it. It's really kind of like, it's, it's just you're digesting and really moving these things around that you've probably been carrying it with you and they've been holding you back and you don't really realize it. Yeah. You know me, I always want to know the how. Yeah, of course you do. Because it's, I feel like it's so easy to put these names to things, but I want to know the steps. But I love how you said that we have a conversation um, because you and I, we do that a lot. Mm -hmm. oh, when yeah. things are stirring, mm -hmm. 
I'm like, what do you think about this? Yeah, and like, and vice versa. I think you know you you. I end up self reflecting sometimes when you're when we're talking about situations going on with you, right? Same. Because when we're having these conversations, somewhere in the conversation, I try to bring up something that I went through mm-hmm. to hopefully help you understand the path the path that I took to get through the situation and maybe find guidance and in that conversation I may bring I may bring up something that I'm currently dealing with mm-hmm. just to kind of relate to you yeah. and realize that I got something going on yeah you know but it's all it, it, it starts with words for me that happens to me so much I listen to so many audio things and I'll listen to someone telling a story and it immediately will help me like reach down inside and go oh, wow, that feeling has been there for a while. And then that person that is telling their story and maybe how they got through it, it makes me kind of understand myself better. I'm going, oh, I'm not I'm not alone in this and there are other people feeling like this. And some of the reasons why they're feeling or they felt the way that they did are the same reasons why I felt yeah. the way that I did. And it helps me connect it. Absolutely. So I would say a piece of advice for me is one of the best ways to seek self-reflection is to seek knowledge. I seek knowledge in so many different avenues. I listen to so many audio, either podcasts, audio books, and I read a lot too. So it helps me a lot of the times like peel back some of the things that are just like not so clear to me yeah you know and also yeah seeking professional help we've also done that yeah and surprisingly it was amazing yeah you know i, I mean as who a, can't who, who can't benefit from receiving life tools i don't see how that can i don't see how that could actually hinder you in life i i, I totally agree you know but some people just find it um some people see it as a sign of weakness, you know, when they to when, be vulnerable. To, to, yeah, to be vulnerable or to ask for help. I mean, yeah. I, and and I know you can relate because oh. in, in many <laughs> in many aspects of your life, you refuse to ask for help. Yeah, I was fucking hard as a rock. Yeah, I thought that people that didn't know how to figure shit out, they were weak. I thought that my brain was programmed to think that. If you couldn't figure out how to get yourself from point A to point B, you were weak. And life slapped me in the face a hundred times and told me that that was the stupidest shit that I ever thought in my entire life. Well, there you go. That's you taking accountability for your actions. Yeah, no, I I have so much empathy now for what people are going through. I have come to understand that for the majority of the population, people are really trying to do the best that they can. Yeah, I I totally agree, um, and which kind of like rolls right into my next suggestion on how to deal with being stuck, and it goes um, hand in hand with um, you know self reflection, mm-hmm. and that's and that's once you've self reflected, mm-hmm. once you've been able to identify um, something that you weren't aware of that was that was holding you back, is take responsibility, you know. Take responsibility for that action. Hold yourself accountable. Don't, because it, it may be easy to still convince yourself and be in denial about what it is that, you know, that you're realizing, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I've been in situations where finding out the truth about myself can sometimes be a tough pill to swallow, you know, and denying it to myself is almost easier to deal with 
than actually looking at myself and admitting that I've I've been fucking up. Yeah. You know? Um, so for me, one does not go without the other. I they usually kind of I they're like it's like a like a lateral move for me. Like mm-hmm. once I do the self reflecting, uh, and I get to a space where I you know I'm I'm able to find these things that are that are, are an issue for me. Um, I start to hold myself accountable. Like you know what, these are the reasons why I did this to myself. And now that I know that. I'm grateful that I found out so that I can steer around that mm-hmm. anytime it comes in front of me. Mm-hmm. So not too much, not too deep into the woods with that one. Yeah. So when you say take responsibility, yeah. right? Would part of being taking, would part of taking responsibility would be to seek help for those things? Like, is that, would you feel like that's like why you were saying that they go hand in hand? Uh, yeah. I think that that's one way to do it. I, I typically don't, not typically i've never excuse me um you know what now that i think about it i i do i I feel like talking to you is is seeking help you are the help for me Mm -hmm. Uh, you know people don't realize that sometimes you know just a conversation with someone close to you that you trust uh is a way of getting help i also think that the key word there is someone that you trust someone that you trust yeah absolutely Um, because people love to People love to... Um, misery loves company. Misery loves clump- company and people love to prey on your downfall, you know. So, like, some people might find it exciting to hear that, you know, you're going through something and, and uh, you know, that they may be in a better situation than you are rather than being sympathetic for you and wanting to give you an open ear, an open heart, and an open hand in your current situation. So... You know, and... And old Gina would have said, fuck those people. But now I I have empathy for those people because I know that they're probably in a worse position than I am. Yeah. And that's just making them feel like they have one leg up on life. And that is sad in itself. And like now I can see the big picture in that, but a long time ago. mm -mm. And that's also why I almost never told anybody what I was going through. And it's interesting now that we sit here on a podcast telling everybody our, our fucking life. business. <laughs> this is true. I got married to Evo and I was like, and just so you know, we ain't telling nobody yeah. shit. <laughs> and now I'm just like, let's tell everybody everything. Right. And it's it's always an interesting dynamic for me because growing up, I was told that I talked too much. I was told that, um, I ne- really needed to practice more self-control and I always felt like I overshared and I always felt like um, I wanted to tell people things even when they didn't ask me and then now I realize that that's actually that is a blessing for me yeah you know I just needed to find the way to use it for myself like to help me and yeah. honestly to help others like it's I believe it's part of my purpose but it definitely is. I feel that. Um, another thing that is useful when trying to get out of a rut is um, having realistic expectations about today. Oh, that reminds me of a book that I read. Yeah. So thinking back on the situation with, you know, with you and your ex, I can see someone really feeling stuck because they had this expectation of what their life was supposed to be and realizing that 
their current life is a far cry from where they thought they would be. And not being able or almost feeling like they are collapsed under the weight of the disappointment and the um, the the actual distance between them and where they thought they would be in life that even getting out of that situation almost seems overwhelming. So um, hype and be, almost being hyper focused on that shiny thing way over there that they never got to get their hands on um, can really detach themselves from their everyday reality. And yeah. so like what you did, which was you you really you really took a inventory of your current situation and were realistic about what needed to get be done even though i'm sure that's not where you planned on being in your life at that point no. in time uh you were realistic about it and you said today i'm going to do this and fuck tomorrow fuck everything else i just need to to take this step today and you knew that that step was going to get you one step closer to that thing that was way over there. But you were realistic about the journey that you needed to take rather than feeling bad about yourself. Yeah, because my experience felt, like I said, it felt impossible. But I sat back and I said to myself, I, there is something that is possible. What is it? Yeah. And I had to figure out what that was. And I know that many people will look at their situation and like you said only look at that shiny thing that's at the end of the rainbow yeah and be so hyper fixated on that that they don't even look at what's right in front of them yeah. and then they're lost and that is such a that is such like a dark place to be in mm -hmm. Because you feel like you're never going to get to your goal but then you don't even know where to start yeah. right so when you're in that position things can seem very cloudy. So when a book that I would love to recommend, uh, if you haven't read it already, Atomic Habits, it was a phenomenal read for me, but there was always this one section that jumped out at me. And it was, um, you know, I, I don't remember verbatim like what the words were, but what it basically said was make it easy. Yeah, And what it, what that means is is be realistic about what it is that you're doing. So perfect example, um, you and I were just talking about this when people want to become, you know, have a healthier lifestyle uh, and they also want to maybe be more fit and then maybe they want to, you know, work on their diet. Yeah. And they try to tackle all three of those things at the yes. same time. And that's not setting realistic expectations because they're not making it easy and what i mean by making it easy does do those new things that you want to add to your life do they fit into your current life mm -hmm. because if they don't the minute that they make things uncomfortable you're going to exit mm -hmm. absolutely so if you say to yourself i'm going to get up every day at five o'clock in the morning and work out for an hour and i'm only going to eat you know chicken broccoli and rice but you have three kids, you work late, um, and your stomach hurts when it when you eat chicken. You're not gonna you're not gonna succeed in that journey yeah. because you're trying to put a square and a round, shape and yeah, a round and hole. A round hole. So yeah. you have to make it easy. And that part of the book, I always think about it every single time I'm gonna embark on something. Yeah. It, especially if I'm feeling stuck, I'm like, okay, what can I do? 
that is realistic to my life at this point because that's the only way i'm gonna get like from point a to point b yeah and i think i love that, that. I, yeah and i think that even on a more um a strategic approach to it is you know think about where where it is that you're trying to get to mm-hmm. and come up with a plan of action on how to get there almost reverse engineer it if you may mm-hmm. so if your goal is to you know currently you're walking to work you don't have a car and uh, car seems so expensive it's a lot of money so therefore the thought of it is very overwhelming mm-hmm. you know you kind of like you know scatterbrained about i'll what, tell you why i'm laughing how you how, what you're going to do to get there so then reverse engineer it say okay um i want a car right that's the, that's the end goal so let me not focus on the end goal that's more me work my, my way backwards what do i need to get a car i need money okay so what do i need to get money i need a job okay so what's a job that i can actually work that's suitable for my life okay and then evaluate those possibilities around you and then once you've narrowed all of those out figure out which one's the best suited for you in that in that particular time and which one can you step into um and if there's anything that you feel like that's in between you and that job then make sure that you put that in there and then make that the first step Mm -hmm. and so now you've actually mapped out all the steps that you need to get to that car Mm -hmm. and therefore it becomes something that you are now focused on you 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 made a real expectation about what today's decision needs to be yeah and that right there is the key to getting out of a rut yeah and the reason why i was laughing is because i think i've told you this story before when i first moved to new jersey i was 18 and i used to have to take the bus to work and i used to sit at the bus stop and i used to just be like I take that car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's missing a I wheel. I think we all played the that's my I'll car. That that's car. my car game. Oh, there's there's duct tape on the window. That's fine. That's no problem. I, I would take that one too. <laughs> and that, you know, gave me like that end goal. Yep. Uh, but I did what you said. I didn't know that I was doing it at 18 years old. I was busting my ass as a waitress. And then every day I was only taking home. I forget. I, I forget how I did it but i would take only a certain amount of dollars home and i would deposit the rest in the bank so that i was saving for a car there you go yeah and i i forced myself to go to the bank every day and that's why my bank was first union because it was right on the corner so i was like okay i have no fucking excuse because i put it into my life i made it easy i was like i have no fucking excuse to leave work and to not go to the bank and deposit this fucking money in the bank because i want that car exactly right and I got that bitch. And that's so, how you do it. Um, that actually brings us to the end. And we have our tradition now where we're going to pick one of these cards and read a random yeah. question. So I think last week I went first, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so you go first this okay, week. Okay, great. Ugh. Let me put these so far. Oh, I'm going to take this orange one. because I we was just thinking the same we thing. We haven't fucked with an orange I one yet. Those. I need that. All right. Okay, Evo. If we decided not... <laughs> Oh, shit. Oh, wow. Okay. Damn. All right. I kind of already, I feel like I kind of already hear where this is going. If we decided not to have actual intercourse, but still wanted to do something sexual, what might, what might we do? Uh, that would be foreplay all day. It said no intercourse, right? Uh, yes. Okay. So have, but wanted to still do something sexual, what might we do? Be a little bit so foreplay, like okay. Yeah, I mean, I think any type of foreplay would be. Um, yeah, any type of foreplay, but it's particularly the one that makes us climax. Oh, so oral. Whatever, 
oral. I mean, listen, this. I mean, let's. We don't got to get deep in the woods about it, but you know, anything <laughs> that kind of like covers those bases. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay. All right. I hope that answers your question. Okay. Go ahead. Um. I was like, oh no. Yeah, let's see here. I'm gonna go with this. This purple right here. Purple. Purple. You did purple, purple. last time. I did purple last time. Yeah, right, look. I did. All right. All right. All right. That's all why right, I keep the cards this one, there. This one jumped out at me. This oh, I just realized. You see, they have little symbols on them. That's the category that they are. I'm just realizing that just now. But go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'll read okay. that one. This one's got a heart holding hands, hands. holding so, each other in the form of a heart. So let's. Okay. How do you feel we need to work? What no? What what do you feel like we need to work on most in our relationship, and how can we do this? I feel like we just talked about this. What do we need to? Yeah, today. Uh, what do we need to work on most in our relationship, and how can we do it? No, the other day when we were when we were asking, we were playing those questions that question yeah, game. We asked and each we, other. Okay, so I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real with the yeah. audience. We actually, we actually t- asked each other some questions. It was Friday, Saturday. Yeah, we were I don't remember. On the couch. And we both felt like there wasn't really anything that we needed to like work on. Work se. on, yeah, like, because like it was like something like an issue. There's something big that was going on. Yeah. In the relationship. So pick another card. All right. Because I, I don't really feel like there's anything nah. that I'm like, oh my god, that's a pending fucking yeah. issue. All right. Back to this. Describe a trait you hate about one of your parents. In, in what way? <laughs> in what way do you have this trait too? Oh my god! Damn! Double oh. trouble. Um, That's what that sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, read me the question one more time. Describe a trait you hate most about your parents, and in what way do you have this trait too? Okay. So you hate it about your parents, and you hate it about yourself. Um, something that I hated about my parents, a trait about my parents. Okay. My mother used to have like these, these sayings all the time. Oh, you're right. And I do it all the fucking time. And one of them is, can you do me a favor? (laughs) You stay asking for favors. But I I always prompted with, "Can you do me a favor?" I think I think I said it on another show where you where you you swear you have an unlimited favor card. Like Um, that shit does not max out. Or like you know, my mom used okay. So like my mom used to go. um, I used to go. (laughs) My mother. I used to be like, "Mom, I'm hungry." She used to be like, "I'm I'm Enid. Nice to meet you." Oh yeah, you do that to the kids all the time. So I do it to them all the time. But the way that I do it now is they'll come up to me in the kitchen and they'll go, "Mom, what are you making?" And then I go, "Food." And, and they go, what kind of food? I go, the, the food you, that I'm making. That you eat. You, the food yeah. that you eat. Yeah, and then they go, what type of food do I eat? The one that I'm cooking. Yeah. I just keep fucking going around in a circle with them. And I used to hate that shit, and I do it now. Yeah. That reminds me of that. Real quick before we go, there's that TikTok where there's a guy, he gets pulled over, and he's high as hell. And the cop was like, where do you live? He was like, at my house. Where's your house? On the street? Where's your street? Where my parents live? Where do your parents live? Next to my neighbor. <laughs> It's your neighbor next to my parents. <laughs> yeah. Yo, the kids. Oh, uh, and the one who I drive the most crazy with it is Mateo. Yeah. Because he's always like, Mom, are you going to still do this? Because he's 20 years old and I still do it to yeah. him. And you know what? They're going to do it to their kids. Yep. They sure are. They pass that shit down. <sighs> talk, about, right. talk about being stuck. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
in the end of the video, the guy was like, I'm going to jail. Or not. Like, I was like, yep, get out the car. Get the fuck out the car. <laughs> you know what I just realized? That my sweater matches the background. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, it does. Uh, to- total side note for anybody that if you can't see us. It's fresh, though. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I thrifted it. Yes, sir. Uh, but yeah, that actually brings us to the end of the show. So I hope everybody listening or watching, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Spark Talk Fridays with Gina and Evo. And if you want to continue to listen to us and um, watch us, we would love it if you would comment, like, share, tell other people about us if you find us somewhat enjoyable. I want to kind of give a sneak peek to next Friday. So we're actually going to tap back into a subject that we visited last year which was uh, dating as a single parent because uh, next week, I forget the exact day, one of the days is like National Single Parent Day. So I thought it would be cool for us to revisit that topic of dating like a single parent. Mm, okay. So we, um, like we've we gone ahead and reached out to some people that we know that are dating as single parents to ask them some of the bigger picture questions. Join us next Friday on Spark Talk Fridays where we're creating conversations about life.